0: everybody. Hey, morning. It's doing all right. Who went to Flatiron Crossing yesterday? You liars. You were all there. I promise. I was there. You were there. Your relatives were there. That was a zoo yesterday at that place. Hey, um, before we get going on some stuff. Thanks, Leon. Perfect, man. Thank you. Um, Before we get going on some stuff, I would love to just uh, circle back to what Bill said on Christmas Eve. And Here's what I ask you. One of the things that's so great about Ascent is Ascent has a spirit about it, and it has for its four years of existence that we really genuinely care about uh, people that maybe this is their first time church experience, or maybe they only come at Easter or Christmas. And so, what's so beautiful is to see people giving other people their parking spaces, uh, you know, or just. Doing whatever you can to help that night with with in mind what i 'd love for you to think about if a sense your your place your church i 'd love for you to think about that night not being necessarily about even your experience, but what 's the experience like for somebody who 's walking in here so we actually like to avoid and you guys have done this so beautifully, avoid like saving seats and rows and that kind of stuff don't don 't do that stuff reserve, like let somebody who's new make sure that they get the spots. In fact, last year was so cool. Somebody who's been at this church a long time was one of the first people in the room. And I noticed him sitting in the, almost in the very corner back there. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing back here? And he's like, I just want to make sure that anybody who's new tonight gets to sit, you know, and get great seats. So, would you do that? Would you help us uh, make sure that that night is really something that's hospitable for people that are new? We want them to come in here and experience that kind of hospitality. Okay. Great. All right. Here's what we're going to do today. Um, I, I want to start by asking you a question. This is a really important question. It's kind of a personal one. We're going to know each other a little bit more when I'm done asking this. I want you to first just start by checking me out. <laughs> just check me out for a second. I'm about six feet tall. I weigh about 175 pounds. I want you to stop and ask yourself this question Do you think you could take me? <laughs> like, if we threw down right now, you think you could beat me? Let me give you a little more information. I'm doing about 60 push ups a morning right now. They're covered up under the sweater, but they're there, they're growing. <laughs> I am one O lifetime in fights. I got in a fight in fourth grade against a kid named Jason, and I won. So so undefeated. I don't know. You, you, I can just hear the conversations at home. Oh, my pastor said it was okay. He got in a fight when he's in fourth grade. I'm not giving you license, sixth graders to go get in fights with your friends. That's not what I'm saying. But I am undefeated, okay? Uh, yeah, I don't know taekwondo or anything like that. You know, there's nothing special there. Now, here's the question, show of hands, who thinks they could take me? Put them high, I want to see high hands, who thinks they could take me? Let me see, all right, yeah, Rockman, you got me, I believe that. No way, Dan, no way, no way. Uh, Yeah, you probably got me, but yeah, okay. all right, show it. come on. Yeah, It'd be a good fight, it'd be a good fight, I, I think, I'm not sure on that one. Come on, who else? Yeah. Yeah, if you guys tag team, maybe. Um, What else? (laughs) We got Bill. It'd be a good fight, Bill. I don't know. I don't know. Who's that? Is that Ernie? Uh, Yeah, you could probably take me. Um, Anybody else? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, here's the deal. I actually actually don't care if you think you could take me. Um, I'm good with it. My feelings aren't hurt. I don't get fired up about that. Uh, what I do get fired up about is what we want to talk about today. What, I, what gets me going is not that question. What gets me going is, do we understand, do we really understand who this Jesus is? Do we, have we, we got to a point in our lives where we can say with some assuredness what our opinion is of who Jesus is and be able to actually explain that and say, here's why? We're, we're going through the series, Unwrapping Christmas, going up till next week with Christmas Eve, and I'll just throw out a little theory to you. Tell me if I'm wrong. I actually think you could be somebody in the U.S. who goes to church your entire life and ends up at the end not actually being able to articulate or be settled in your own heart who the person of Jesus was. It's, I think this is happening all the time throughout our culture that we we might be a part of a church and I, I want to explain through some of the reasons why I think this happens but we don't actually have a notion we couldn't actually say with conviction who we think this guy was guys there was there's nobody who came to this world with more hype Jesus came into the world with unbelievable hype surrounding him did he live up to that hype did he grow into the person that the hype actually said he was going to be? Let me show you what I mean. Uh, um, this is from Luke chapter 1. This is one of those like kind of birth narratives around Jesus. And, and so here's what Luke chapter 1 says. Watch the hype build. So it says this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is a woman who's going to give birth to John the Baptist, who's kind of the forerunner of Jesus. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. Just stop right there. You, some of this familiarization of this, uh, this passage robs you of the significance of this. Anybody here think that God dispatched Gabriel when you were born? I, I mean, maybe besides Bill, does anybody think that, that God dispatched Gabriel? No, this is... This is serious hype. We're going down the road of like, this is serious business. So sends sends the angel Gabriel off to visit Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Anybody who reads that or knows what's happening, here, this is intentional language. A descendant of King David, everybody knew during the time that God was going to send, one, send someone to save them, a Messiah, and it was going to come through King David's line. So it's not unintentional that we're talking about uh, Joseph being a descendant of King David. The hype's getting higher. People would have picked up on this. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, you would be too if a supernatural being showed up and started talking to you. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And this is the first thing angels always say to human beings when they meet him. They say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. By the way, Jesus is a Hebrew word that means God saves. The hype is going up. The Gabriel's been dispatched. The... Um, uh, 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 Messiah language starting to get used, right? The line of David. And now we come back naming this kid Yeshua, Jesus. This is, this is the word God saves. He will be very great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Wow, okay. This is, this is not a human being. This is the Son of the Most High. This is the Son of God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. It never runs out. It's still going. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Man, this is hype. This is high expectation. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Guys, I, I want this Christmas for us as a church to just make sure we're clear, us as individuals to make clear, even if we haven't settled in our hearts What the answer to this question is, we've got to ask the question, who is this guy? Let's unwrap it all, unwrap all of Christmas, everything else that's around it. Who is this guy? Because what you're seeing in this passage is that Gabriel is coming and announcing to the world, announcing to Mary, you are being visited. Get ready. The good God has come. God is coming into the world in the person of Jesus, and Mary, you are actually going to give birth to this baby. That is where, for centuries, the church has put its chips down and said, this is what we believe about this Jesus. What's interesting is there's a spectrum, right? Obviously, not everybody believes this. There's a spectrum around what we think about Jesus And if you kind of dial it back here, on the other end of the spectrum, I think what many, many people think, he was good. Yeah, I agree with that. I I don't meet many people that say, ah, Jesus was just a bad guy. You know, you're not going to run into people along those lines. But for somebody that doesn't believe Jesus was actually who Gabriel said he was, you're going to dial that back and you're going to say, he was good. He did some good things. But really, he was just a good teacher. Where do you fall on this? Are we are we following after a great teacher today? Or are we following after God who came to earth as a person today? And there's a spectrum everywhere in between. Who is this guy? It's so like I said, you can grow up in church your whole life and actually not be able to articulate or answer who is this man? Uh, A bunch of you guys know, I used to be a student ministry pastor. I did it for years and years, and it's really my first love. I love middle and high schoolers. About 10 years ago, there was a study done on middle and high school kids in the U.S., and it looked at their spirituality, and it kind of asked the question, what do they know? What do they, you know, uh, are they really strong in their faith? And what they found was about a third of teenagers in the U.S. are really involved in some kind of... Uh, student ministry another third is kind of moderately involved and the last third is not at all so you can kind of easy to think of in those kind of thirds Um, what what was interesting is the study found that even the two thirds that are really involved or moderately involved actually can't really articulate their faith they're going to stuff but if you ask them the question who is this guy they can't really answer I'll show you, uh, the study was called Soul Searching, and he went all over the country interviewing uh, students, and I want to show you one interview in particular. Check out this video uh, that he did, just a quick one minute.
1: My name is Michaela Page. I am 16. I'm in the 10th grade, and I live in Nampa, Idaho. I grew up in the Nampa First Church of the Nazarene my whole entire life. I started from when I was a baby until now. I think I have a really good relationship with God. I... I pray with Him every single morning on the way to school, I, I try to do my devotions every single day. It's really hard because, you know, it's your life, you have a job, you have school, Things sometimes you get tired and you just want to go to bed. It's not like He requires, He just would like us to follow Him, follow in His footsteps, do the right thing but everybody's going to make a mistake but that's what the good thing about god is is you can ask for forgiveness and he'll forgive you right then and there um, i don't know um i i get what do you think about Jesus i think i don't know um i, I don't really know
0: Oh, I, um, that's what I get fired up about, is the idea that could we grow up, and you heard her, she said, like, what did she say? Something like, I was born in the church, basically, that she's been a part of a church community her whole life, and yet when asked those questions, I don't know if you can see the little words on the bottom of the screen, said, what do you think about Jesus? Who is he? And you saw her response. She can't, she doesn't know, she can't. You can go through your life, guys, and be a part of a community like this and never actually land on the question, who is this guy? You know, the interesting thing about that study was, is, you know, they said what really is true is that the reason why teenagers are having a hard time articulating their faith is because it's just a mirror of what we're seeing in adult culture that adults actually, we don't understand. We haven't thought deeply about who this guy is. So here's what I want to do. Go with me here as we're going to walk down a little road of just saying, who is this guy? How do we know? Was the angel Gabriel right that the world would be forever changed by the fact that Jesus came? Is, Is the world that you're in right now is your everyday life at all different because of the life of Jesus, or not? And what does it tell us about is he a good teacher, or was he maybe the good God? Uh, I want to I want to give a plug for a guy named John Ortberg. He's a pastor in California who I used to work with there, and his um, book Who Is This Man is just phenomenal on this. And I'm borrowing a lot of his ideas with the stuff I'm talking about. In fact, he wrote a little kind of pamphlet version of this that's uh, maybe 20, 30 pages. And I've got a bunch of copies of that out there for free sitting on a table. So afterwards, it's such a great thing to read over Christmas. Either grab this book or grab one of those little uh, pamphlets. You can just take one for free. It's worth reading. It's just wonderful stuff. But, but who is this guy? You know, when, when I was out... Um, Working in Menlo Park, I grew up in Boulder, lived here my whole life, except for a little six-year window where I lived in California, and five of those years I spent in Menlo Park. Menlo Park is right in the Bay Area, right in the heart of the Silicon Valley, such a fun area. It's like Facebook's headquarters right there. You got Google and Apple right down the road. All the big companies are there. It's the hub of like innovation and creativity. I love this place. I love the Silicon Valley, but then you go 20 miles north, 20, 25 miles north of there, you end up in a city called San Francisco. Just a quick question for you. Why is there a San Francisco? Anybody know? S- San Francisco is named after a guy named St. Francis, someone who is inspired by Jesus, and we named one of our biggest, best cities after this, right? The shadow of Jesus right there in the Silicon Valley. You, you go 20, 25 miles south of uh, Menlo Park, you run into a town called San Jose. Why is there a San Jose? Well, there was a guy named St. Joseph who was inspired by Jesus, who did these amazing things, and so we're going to name a city after him. If you want to go to Tahoe, you're going to get out on the road, you're going to head east, and you're going to go right by a town called Sacramento. Why is there a Sacramento. Because Jesus had these things he called sacraments that we call sacraments, right? Where he said, uh, eat this, drink this. When you do this, remember me. And so when we take communion, that's a sacrament. When we baptize people, that's a sacrament. And so the city of Sacramento is named after that. If you wanna go surfing, you're gonna go west and you're gonna hang out in a town called Santa Cruz. Anybody know what Santa Cruz is? It means the Holy Cross. Guys, here we are in the middle of of the world culture and the shadow of Jesus is everywhere. You get on the uh, five and you go south down towards LA, you're going to go through a town called Bakersfield. Anybody know why there's a town called Bakersfield? Nobody knows why there's a town called Bakersfield. I swear, you know, it's like Lincoln, Nebraska. Nobody understands why those two towns exist. So, but no, if you, you keep going, you'll end up in Los Angeles the city of the angels. Maybe you want to go to Santa Barbara. Maybe you want to go down to San Diego. The shadow of Jesus is all over the map. And it's not just California, it's all over the globe. If you were like an angel, you know, or an alien that kind of parachuted into our world and you wanted to study human beings, all you'd have to do is look at the map and go, who is this guy? Who is this guy that has got everything named after him half a world away, 2,000 years later? All right, so maybe that's just California. But look at our own area. Do you see the shadow of Jesus on your life here? Anybody like eating a Chick-fil-A? I mean, give me 12 nuggets and a fry and a shake. And, and, I'm, and I'm buying something from a business that has been inspired by the life of Jesus. Anybody here born in a Vista hospital? Or give birth to anybody in a Vista hospital? Or know some, maybe you got your, you know, a cast put on at a Vista hospital? Have you ever seen a Vista's mission statement? Of course you haven't, you don't troll websites looking at mission statements, but I do, okay? So let me, let me show you a Vista's uh, mission statement, put that on the board. Avista says we extend the healing ministry of Christ by caring for those who are ill and by nurturing the health of the people in our communities. If you have ever been treated somehow at Avista, you have lived in the shadow of Jesus. Maybe you don't, maybe you're Kaiser. You need to go down the road, you're gonna go to Good Samaritan a story that Jesus told about a guy who rescued somebody out of a ditch and cared for his physical needs. Or maybe you have something that's more serious and you need to go to Denver to either St. Anthony's or St. Luke's. Guys, the shadow of Jesus is all over our healthcare. It's because Jesus, while he was on earth, was healing people, healing sick, opening their eyes of the blind, and the followers of Jesus said, we want to carry out that continued ministry by studying medicine and caring for people. How many of our hospitals are because of Jesus' existence? Jesus, you know, another incredible thing that Jesus inspired Was, did you know that while Jesus was alive, the general practice was if a kid was born, a baby was born that had any kind of abnormality about them, generally they would just kind of throw them aside, put them away, put them on a pile somewhere to die. That was a common practice during Jesus' day. And it wasn't just that, it was if you were born the wrong gender, Anybody want to guess what gender got thrown away more than the other? So sad. Jesus comes along and his followers see him caring and healing people and then saying, no, let the little children come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. This is, these are the kind of people that own the kingdom of heaven. And it was people inspired by that, governments that said, we're not going to practice this anymore. We're putting an end to this the shadow of Jesus is so present in the way that we think today, in ways that we just, we don't even know. Think about education. Did you realize that a lot of the biggest, best universities that are on this globe were put together, inspired by people that were following Jesus? Cambridge, Oxford, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, 92% of all the universities that were founded before the U.S. Civil War were founded in the name of Jesus because Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And people said, you know what? There's been no one like this who inspires us to live with our minds as well, the life of the mind and education. Do you realize how much our lives are changed because of what the followers of Jesus have done in his name? Man, I'm telling you, the shadow of Jesus is everywhere. You think of some of the greatest rulers, the greatest, most influential people in the history of the world. I wanna show you, I'm gonna give you a, Some of my top 10 most influential people that have ever lived. Check out this list for a second. I've got some up there that are really awesome, wonderful people. I've got some up there that are really not great. And then the last one is the best one of all by far, obviously. (laughs) But take a look at that list. Some of these guys you'd think they have absolutely nothing in common. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but... Adolf Hitler and Mother Teresa, what do they have in common? There is one thing that every single person on this list has in common. Look at the numbers next to their names. Alexander the Great, 356, 323 BC. What does BC mean? Before Christ. Mother Teresa, 1910, 1997 AD. What does AD mean? It's Latin for the year of our Lord. Guys, every single influential leader that has ever lived is referenced next to when they lived according to when Jesus lived. Man, you start thinking about what Gabriel said, his kingdom will last forever. You start thinking about the words that you read in Revelation, king of kings, lord of lords, right? You can hear the handel Messiah right now. All because this guy, you can't die without a reference to Jesus being on your tombstone. Whether you know him or not, the influence, the shadow of this guy will be with you when you die on your tombstone. And it's true of every single one of these leaders. Are you kidding me? If you parachuted into this world, trying to understand the human race, you have got to, if nothing else, look at this and go, who was this guy? We separate the entire world history into two categories, before he came and after he came. Who does that? And we're not even talking about his influence on politics, on business, on culture, on ethics, the shadow of Jesus extends everywhere throughout culture. Man, you think of this. This guy did this. This guy did this without ever writing a book. He did this without ever running for office. Jesus pulled this off, and he never commanded an army. He never was king over some country the guy never traveled probably more than a couple hundred miles. He never had money. He never had influential friends. Man, if you had $1,000, you lived during the time of Jesus, and I handed you $1,000, and you said, and I, and I said to you, you know, hey, you got a place to place a bet. Who do you think is going to be more influential in the history of the world? Is it gonna be this guy who's a carpenter in the middle of a town that nobody's heard of? Or would you put your $1,000 down on Caesar, ruler in Rome? Come on, every single one of us puts our $1,000 down on Caesar. And yet, here we are 2,000 years later and we are naming our kids John and Mary and Peter. And you're naming your dog, Nero. who was this guy? And he did it despite the fact that a lot of the leaders of his movement are total disasters. Guys like me that are flawed, beyond belief flawed, and somehow he overcame all that and his shadow stretches across your life every day. Amazing. Who is this guy? Is he a good teacher or a good God? Now, some of you will say this, and I think you'd be right. You know, just because if you look at a map and you see people that were inspired by his good teaching have named names after cities or whatever, just because some universities were founded after him that doesn't mean necessarily that he's good God and not good teacher. Let's just, can we be honest for a second? This is a huge leap. If, if you have somebody in your life that you think, you know, professor in college, whatever, you think, man, that's a great teacher. Is it not a huge leap to go from they're a great teacher to they're actually God, like in the flesh? I hope you think that's a big leap. <laughs> if Jesus were here... And we, he knew what was going on. He, he knew that millions of people today are meeting all over the globe, like in little huts in Africa, or in big cathedrals in Europe, you know, or in a hidden house church in North Korea, or in a warehouse with curtains in Colorado to worship him. And he showed up and, and we told him, we think you're this. Would he say, oh, yeah, my, my followers got a little carried away. I'm really glad that all this stuff has come after me. But being the humble guy that I am, oof, man, I, would he blush? This is an important question. Here's what I want you to do for a second. I want you to use your imagination. We're going to pretend for a second that you are in college. You have a, some of you don't need to pretend, I know you're in college, you're taking your very best favorite professor, favorite teacher. You think that this person has incredible things to say, like life-changing type stuff. The kind of stuff where you're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's how I want to live my life. Now, you show up one day, what if that professor you love said this, I am the true vine and you are the branches Those who remain in me and me in you, you'll produce much fruit. But if you stray away from me in any kind of way, you're not going to be able to do anything without me. Okay, if your professor said that, is that still good? Is there a little bit of an antenna going up on you going, that's a little weird? what if your professor said this? I have a kingdom, but it's not an earthly kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. I rule over a kingdom that isn't here on earth. Is that a good teacher still? Come on now, you guys are... Candidates to get in a cult. If you don't, somebody somebody's got your your antenna's got to rise a little bit, right? Would you still think that's a good teacher? What, what if what if the teacher said this? I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. I'm back, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. I have the I actually can control hell. What if it, What if they said this? Check this one out. In the future, you'll see the Son of Man. This was a a term Jesus used for himself. In the future, you'll see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Is that a good teacher? How about this statement? Friend, your sins are forgiven. Forgive you your sins. I had the power to do that. How about this one? I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born... I am. This one, this one, you got to unpack a little bit. This is one of Jesus' total zingers. He, Jesus was being accused by people of which he was doing. He was being accused of teaching in a way that was actually more influential and had more authority than even their most revered ancient teachers. And for the Jews, obviously, Abraham was one of the biggest ones. And so, so Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching in a way that even sometimes might kind of contradict what they perceive Abraham to be saying. And they start pushing him. Hey, what do you... And so in this, in this context, they're like, do you think that you're greater than Abraham? And Jesus respo- responds to him and says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. In other words, I existed before Abraham even existed. I have pre-existed for, two th- for thousands of years before this moment I was alive. That word I am, some of you might recognize this. This is, um, whoof, man, this would have gotten him going. The turn For Jesus to say I am like this is a reference to in the Old Testament, Moses came up to a burning bush, some of you guys know the story, The bush is burning, but it's not disintegrating with the fire. It just keeps going. And Moses is terrified. God is in this bush, but he comes up and he says to the bush, like, who are you? What is this? What's going on? And this is the only spot we get in the Old Testament where God directly answers that question. And his response is, I am. I am who I am. He uses a Hebrew word, Yahweh. So if you ever heard that word Yahweh, If you ever sung that word Yahweh, you know what it means now. It's the name that was given to God, Yahweh, out of the bush when Moses is talking to it. It's the title God uses for himself. And now here we are, Jesus being challenged, and he says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, Yahweh, I am. I have pre-existed, and he uses the name of God for himself. you know what those guys did when he said that? They picked up rocks and tried to kill him. Man, you don't. You don't kill a good teacher. You kill somebody who is claiming to be God. Look at this last one. Whew. I am Yahweh, the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, although he dies, will live. Can you imagine a person saying this to you? I hold the keys of all life in my hands. I can rise people from the dead. If you believe in me, even though you die, you're still going to live. Does anybody think that that teacher of yours is still good? Please say no. Can't you, don't you have to logically conclude He's not good. He's crazy. If somebody said any of this stuff to you, you would say they are crazy. Or in Jesus' case, you say he is who he said he was. But it's so funny to me that we would say that there's a middle ground or that we would just land on him Being a good teacher. No, he said stuff like that that just disqualifies him from being a good teacher. He's either crazy, or he's the good God. As when I when I see that video, that girl, it just it makes me think that there are millions today who are being a part of a church community, who are attending it, and this I forgive me if this offends you I think some people would say they are a Christian but at the end of the day I actually think they're moralists what what they're looking for is a philosophy what they're looking for is to be a good person That, that I think is why so many churches in our country forgive me are shrinking and dying is because they have moved from this idea of the power of who Jesus was and we're moving this way toward, he's a a good teacher. This runs out and it actually doesn't make sense logically. Man, if you found yourself thinking, I just think he's a good teacher, there's an end to that, you know? The world is full of pretty good teachers. And I'll say this, I think Oprah can only take you so far. You know? Even Jesus' brilliance can only take you so far. The power in a human life is when you say, he was a good teacher. But what it means to be Christian, what it means to say, I follow this Jesus, is to say, man... He's this. Good teacher? Yes. Good God? That's where the power comes from. That's when you look around this country and you see churches that are thriving and growing. That's when you look at an individual person and you see them growing because they embrace what Jesus taught, but they embrace who he is, they embrace the hype that Gabriel was right, that the shadow of Jesus is not just for his teaching, it's because he was who he said he was. So guys, I don't, I don't have a big to-do list for you for Christmas, except here's my prayer, settle your hearts in on who you think this man is. Who would you say he is? Lord, we ask that you would help us with this and I am first in line to say there are so many areas on this, I am utterly confused. But God, I'm gonna put my trust in you. I put my trust in those words from that angel. I put my trust in your own words that says that you hold the keys to life. And God, I I just pray for us that as we journey through this, Uh, that you would speak to us about who you are this Christmas. So God, we love you and we honor you and we worship you today as our God. And we pray that in Jesus' name together, amen.